a stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. From Ukraine to Afghanistan and many countries in between, the United States has welcomed tens of thousands of refugees to its shores. The White House says it's still falling short of its goals, so the Biden administration plans to launch a private refugee sponsorship program to help resettle more refugees. That reminds me of what Utah's already doing in this space in so many different ways. And uh, help us break all of that down. Caroline Simon is a reporter for Roll Call. She covers immigration policy and always helps us uh, make sense of all of this. Uh, Caroline, thanks for joining us today. And let's start with just kind of a lay of the land. Obviously, there's been a lot of attention on refugees, whether it's from Ukraine or Afghanistan or other places. What's the current state of play uh, as we look at it across the country in terms of settling refugees? Absolutely. Great to be here. Um, The Biden administration is planning on launching a private refugee sponsorship program in the next couple of months, likely before the end of the calendar year. And just like you said, um, this is sort of the latest step in an effort to resettle more refugees. Um, The Trump administration resettled historically low numbers of refugees in the COVID-19 pandemic, also limited how many refugees could be resettled. Um, And ever since that, the Biden administration has been sort of trying to build that back up. Um, but they've had a difficult time doing so. Um, the U.S. is on track to resettle just 20,000-ish refugees in fiscal 2022, which ends on Friday, um, which is far below the goal, which was 125,000 refugees. Um, so they're eyeing this private sponsorship program, which will basically allow groups of regular Americans, churches, organizations, private groups to sponsor and resettle refugees um, in sort of a broader um, move from from what they did with Ukrainians and Afghans. Uh, so let's dig into that just a little bit. Uh, again, you, you mentioned those numbers, and uh, again, far short of the of the 125,000 goal. Uh, and I think you mentioned some of those key groups that are going to be part of this. So describe a little bit in terms of how that uh, program, that private refugee sponsorship would, what would that actually look like? How would we see that play out in practicality? Sure. So initially, um, private sponsoring groups would draw from sort of the existing pipeline of refugees. These are people who are already on wait lists to enter the U.S. They've gone through the international pipeline from various countries. Um, They might be waiting in certain countries to resettle in the U.S. Um, But the program eventually wants to allow private American citizens to actually identify and sponsor refugees. Um, So what this could look like is a group of veterans could sponsor an Afghan translator who they worked with. Um, a college could sponsor a student who, you know, couldn't necessarily continue their studies based on changes in their home country. Or maybe an LGBT group could sponsor an LGBT refugee who's facing oppression in whatever country they're from. Um, so it really sort of broaden the ways that regular Americans can get involved um, and um, sort of restart refugee resettlement in a new way. Uh, I think that's so important. One of the things you pointed out in your piece that I really love, Caroline, was talking about how this private sponsorship, how 
that could help many refugees avoid that limbo and that uncertainty that can come as you sort of have the presidential executive order swing, you know, from administration to administration. Uh, how can that actually sh- uh, serve as a shield to make sure that uh, I think these refugees, again, are going through uh, all of these challenges and often we just add layers of uncertainty in terms of can they stay, can they get a job, what about their family? Uh, how can this particular program help eliminate some of that uncertainty and give them a confident path forward? Definitely. So the private sponsorship program, um, in a lot of ways, is going to be based on what Canada has. Um, they have a, a pretty significant private sponsorship program, and because of that, they've been able to sort of weather a lot of the um, changes in sentiment towards refugees that have happened in other countries, um, including the U.S., um, and so what the program would try to do is it would sort of move the work of resettlement from um, the government and from sort of these large resettlement groups, um, which take time to respond to policy changes and move that towards everyday Americans who, um, you know, might be able to respond to changes more quickly um, and, and, and just sort of make refugee resettlement a more present force in, in, in the everyday population rather than having it be a separate thing that the government does that most people don't necessarily know about. Yeah, and I do think that's something that the uh, the American people, we've certainly seen that in Utah, of people just so wanting to be helpful, whether it's uh, with people from Ukraine or Afghanistan or, or wherever it may be. I think the American people are incredibly sympathetic uh, in terms of those who need that kind of help. Uh, what else do you see out there? Uh, how else uh, will this play out in the months ahead? Yeah, so I think that we're expecting a launch um, before the end of the calendar year. Um, it's expected to launch as a pilot program, so this will take time to sort of get set up. Um, and it'll remain to be seen, you know, how the administration tries to build back its traditional refugee admissions. Um, one important thing to note is that even though the numbers of refugees resettled around 20,000 for the fiscal year looks really low, that number doesn't include the 80,000 Afghans who came to the U.S. under humanitarian parole. Um, which is not a traditional refugee admissions program. So when you factor that in, um, the the sort of amount of refugees resettled has been a lot higher than it might seem. Yeah. Um, and so I think it'll be interesting to see in the coming months um, sort of how they, they, they move the temporary humanitarian parole situation that they've been using for Afghans and Ukrainians and trying to make that into a more of a permanent pathway to production. Yeah. Well, I love this uh, idea of, of having this private focus as well. I think it can really play a, a different role in a different space and, uh, as you said, uh, really get some certainty there in that process as well. Anything else we should be looking for, Caroline? I think the only other thing um, that, that I would monitor is that um, a bipartisan group of lawmakers, Republicans and Democrats, are trying to pass permanent protections for Afghan evacuees into law. Um, this is something that advocates from sort of the refugee groups to veterans as well have been pushing for. Um, the provisions were not included in a short-term stopgap spending bill that Congress is expected to consider this week to avoid a government shutdown, but they're hoping that it will make it into a later spending bill or even the annual defense policy bill that passes every year. So I think we'll definitely continue to see a push on that, um, and it'll be interesting to see whether whether Congress actually includes that um, for, for some of these Afghans who don't have a path to permanent protection otherwise. Yeah, so important. I'm so glad you mentioned that. Uh, and it's one of those things that should have been in the... <laughs> Of all the things that will get thrown into the continuing resolution over the next 80-plus uh, hours here, uh, this is one that I think actually should have been in there. Uh, but we'll debate that on, on another day. Caroline Simon, reporter for Roll Call. Uh, always great insight into immigration policy. And I love this focus on uh, the refugee sponsor program uh, that the administration is looking to roll out in the next couple of months. Caroline, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. 
All right, again, that's Caroline Simon, a reporter for Roll Call. Uh, she always has such good perspective, uh, and I love how she digs in. And, and this is a really important work. Uh, often we do just look at uh, immigration and refugees in particular, uh, and we kind of shrug our shoulders and say, well, that's the government's job. And while government has a role to be sure, uh, this is one of those areas where uh, the good-heartedness uh, and the compassion of the American people comes in. Uh, and this is where I often say we have these fake fights and false choices when it comes to immigration, when it comes to refugees. Uh, rule of law and compassion are compatible principles, and we need to continue to prove that out. And I think what this program will do is just that. It will allow the government to continue to do what it is supposed to do in terms of creating paths, especially for refugees, especially those who are under duress, those who are being persecuted in other countries or have no place to go. And it also creates space for the private sector, uh, for businesses, for the faith communities uh, to come together uh, and for citizens to step up and say, I can sponsor Someone. I love the way Caroline pointed that out, that you could have a, a veteran sponsoring someone who was a translator for them in Afghanistan. You could have a, an educational institution sponsoring a student and so on. Uh, there's all of these different opportunities for us to lean in and engage and recognize that we are all fellow travelers uh, on this planet and rule of law and compassion are so compatible uh, we've shown that here in the state of Utah in an extraordinary way. I think a lot of the things you'll see coming out of the administration with this new program will look an awful lot like uh, what's been happening with refugees here in the state of Utah. Uh, and that's good for the state and that's good for the country as well. All right, we'll step aside for a quick commercial break. When we come back, the Congressional Budget Office, the official scorekeeper, has scored Biden's President Biden's student loan forgiveness program. How much will it really cost? And is there a better way to reform the system? Preston Cooper is going to join us to talk about it coming up next. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do? in the face of an international disaster decades in the making. That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.